0: Hello and welcome to the Bucket Lister podcast. Join your host Keith Crockford along with special guests who have travelled the world. Here to share stories of their adventures and plenty of inspo to add to your bucket list. Now let's get into today's episode.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Bucket Lister podcast. Today I am still in Tanzania and yesterday we came back off Kilimanjaro and back down to a, a warm shower and a cold beer. Um, so I thought for this episode of the podcast it would be really good to get one of the bucket list clients who were on the trip to talk us through their experience on Kilimanjaro. So today we've got Ab Johnson joining us. So hello Amy. Hi Keith. So Ab, have you recovered?
0: I will do after my massage in an hour, I think. But um, my legs are killing me.
1: (laughs) Brilliant. So, obviously, we've come down now and you can think about the experience that you've had. But what made you choose to do Kilimanjaro in the first place?
0: Um, I did Everest Base Camp in April. um, I kind of got the bug for trekking. A friend of mine had done Kilimanjaro and had basically said to me that Everest was too easy. Um, and that I should try a real challenge um, and that I should summit a, a proper mountain. Um, and he also said I couldn't do it. And that's really like um, catnip to me. So uh, telling me I can't do something is a bad thing. So I went out and did it.
1: <laughs> and you certainly did. You got to the top. How did you find it then? So give us your honest opinion <laughs> f- for our listeners to actually the true feel of what it's like, rather than me telling people what it's like. Give give them your thoughts on it. <laughs>
0: um so to start with it starts off uh gradually and the ascent through the forest is absolutely beautiful um you see lots of monkeys on the way Columbus monkeys and I was thinking yeah this is okay it's easy it almost felt a little bit like a walk in sort of England or the lakes um so kind of like a full sense of security I felt I can do this this is easy um But So we got to um, Mandara Hut, uh, which is, I think, 2.720, is it? Yeah. Um, All feeling good, uh, all still eating, um, and had quite a good sleep. Um, The huts are really lovely, and um, we all felt happy. Um, But as the walk continued, it started to get a little harder. And I think up towards Kibo, we were feeling the altitude slightly. Um, But again, we all felt quite well. Everybody was happy. We all stayed as a group together, um, and then came summit night. And uh, Keith, you woke us up very early. We had no sleep, <laughs> um, so well,
1: we, well, we didn't wake up early, did we? We didn't go to bed. In, you know, we, <laughs> we start at eleven thirty, so it's not really.
0: We tried to sleep <laughs> for two hours, um, but basically, oh, we we're all quite excited um, and looking forward to kind of the ascent up Kilimanjaro. Um, so we set off at 11.30 at night uh, to go up the mountain and then we hit the scree. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so every step forward was about two steps back. And I think we used all of our energy in the first kind of 40 minutes trying to get halfway, you know, up the mountain. Um, so <laughs> I think we quickly realised it wasn't as easy as it was we thought it was going to be. Um, but good fun. Uh, we all stuck together as a team. There were some people that weren't very well and we all kind of looked after each other. Um, and you never know how the altitude is going to affect you, so it's it's always one of those ones where you just support each other and try and get up there. Um, and Keith, you helped me quite a bit, um, so
1: that's what we're there for.
0: I wasn't feeling very well halfway up, and Keith was basically behind me going, "Yeah, you're you're good, get me on, kind of thing, <laughs> keep going." Um, and you kind of kept me going, and you actually lent me your gloves, which was really lovely. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, we all summited up to Gilman's Point, which was beautiful, just in time for sunrise. Absolutely amazing views. The kind of views you'd see from an aeroplane um, looking out the window and the, the horizontal horizon and just the sun coming up and the mountains in the distance. It's absolutely beautiful.
1: Yeah, it was a really, really clear morning and you could almost see like the curvature of, of Earth yeah. because you could see that far. It was it was a special moment when we were up there this time.
0: Yeah, and uh, i think that was the point where we were all slightly tearful knowing that we'd kind of made it um because once you get to gilman's point almost made it <laughs> yeah once you get to gilman's point that's the the sort of the 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 worst of the of the trek over in that sense um the scree slope has finished um and then you can just enjoy the views of the crater of the volcano and uh, and kind of hike back around the, i think it was 2 hours um was it 2 hours or a bit more than 2 hours uh, around to the summit um, yeah it was
1: about, yeah we did it in about 2 hours from gilman's point
0: but it was just beautiful views and the sun was coming up and it was warmer. And so we all stopped shivering <laughs> and, um, and we, yeah, we stayed as a team and it was just really good. It was amazing. So um, yeah, I think we all came, came back down from the summit, just feeling very tearful and like we'd achieved something really quite great. So it was amazing. Yeah.
1: I think that's, I mean, it's, I mean, you did the Marangu route and we did it over the six days, which is the hut route. Why do you think you chose the hut route over one of the tented routes
0: (laughs) um i like my creature comforts i suppose so um the hut route appealed to me because it's slightly warmer you don't have to pack tents away um and yeah to be honest it's just a bit nicer the bunk beds are quite quite cozy
1: and yeah i mean you know the huts are basic aren't they but they are yeah they're perfect for what you need at the time
0: yeah, you can just unpack your bag, you know, put your sleeping bag down, and just get into bed rather than having to kind of put up a tent and faff around. And and things aren't particularly damp. Um, it's cold up there, but you know you're not coming away with wet kit and and feeling a bit miserable with wet feet. Plus the guides are lovely and they give you buckets of hot water and uh, let you have a sort of wash. And
1: and, and you've got yeah. and you've got toilet blocks on this trek rather than toilet tents, which is yeah. a proper porcelain toilet,
0: which is always nice. <laughs>
1: so so you traveled um as a female you were on your own and you joined our group how did you find that as a as a female solo traveler
0: I absolutely love it um I think the bucket list groups in particular are just everybody's really friendly and embracing of people that are kind of on their own I think nobody wants to see anyone who's left out um everybody looks after each other and so um, It's a really good way to meet new people and kind of find people that like the same things. A lot of my friends are not into kind of hiking or um, any kind of outdoorsy activities. Um, so it's a great way to just meet people who like the same things. Um, so, yeah, I just really enjoy coming to the bucket list.
1: So is that then why you you choose group travel rather than booking it on your own? And so wh- why did you book it through the bucket list company and then not anybody else, for example?
0: I have to admit, I saw a long time ago, I saw one of your postings on Facebook and I think it said, don't just wait, book it now or something. There was, there was some catch line which reeled me in um, and I thought, yeah, that's me. That's exactly what, um, the kind of thing that I'm looking for. Um, and so, yeah, and, I, and obviously the website's professional. You guys are really nice. I phoned you up and we had a long conversation, um, before I booked my last trip. Um, and I had a really great experience on my last trip with the group that I had as well. So it made me want to kind of book again with you
1: perfect um in terms of the kit then that you took on Kilimanjaro just talk us through what you needed for a trek on Kilimanjaro
0: first thing I absolutely love is my walking poles so you don't have to buy expensive walking poles but I got some for my birthday and so my lucky walking poles are my favorite thing I kind of use them as a zimmer frame on the way down I think because uh once my knees start to hurt I kind of rely on them too much but walking poles are a must um you know warm clothes uh, a few fleeces and um, different kind of layers of fleeces um, and your merino walls are really important Um, good pair of walking boots mine weren't worn in enough so cheekily I wore trainers for a couple of days which are now very dusty um, yeah I
1: mean I think you know um, people always ask the question of you know do I need walking boots for, for Kilimanjaro or Everest Base Camp but for the majority of the trek, you don't really need walking boots, do you? Yeah. But I, I wouldn't advise doing summit night in a pair of trainers.
0: Definitely not. I think the scree would be awful. Yeah, you'd end up with serious blisters. But um there are some flat bits of Achille, aren't there? So there's not that you know, the bit between um is it Mandara and um Horombo and then actually up to Kibo really to is, Kibo quite flat is quite flat. Across the saddle, yeah. A, yeah, so actually you can get away with trainers, obviously if you're careful with your footing um but yeah so you know a good pair of trainers for the evening are always a nice thing as well a couple of people had tent slippers um which are quite nice to kind of put on and actually flip flops to the showers um so they're kind of luxury things that you might want to bring obviously a good day sack um and a camelback um really important kind of stay hydrated and also for mine mine actually said how many liters i was drinking um i could kind of work out at the end of the day I definitely hadn't drunk enough. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you are advised, aren't you? Like three, four litres of water a day, really, when you're yeah. when you're on Killy. And but obviously there are plenty of places where you could stop and fill up your water. You didn't need you didn't need to carry four litres with you at the start of the day, did you? Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, a good, a good kind of water bottle is always useful as well because it actually freezes when you get um, up to the higher altitudes. And um, so having that as a kind of secondary bottle of water as well to be able to access is really important. Um, but the, I think the one thing that was on the kit list which I didn't actually bring and kind of regretted it was the nail brush that you actually <laughs> put on there. And I thought, oh, I won't need a nail brush. I didn't need it in in the pool. But actually, it's very dusty sometimes walking along here, and um, I think we all found our nails were quite dirty, and we were all in need of nail brushes. So, um, as a little luxury, you might want to kind of consider bringing one.
1: Yeah, and like, what are the three things then that you're glad? So, give us the three things you're glad you brought you brought with you, and what are the three things you wished you had have brought with you.
0: so uh, I think the first thing is the energy bars and the kendall mint cake um kendall mint cake fueled me a little bit of the way up (laughs) Killy. um so yeah I was on a bit of a sugar high for a while which was really good um so anything like that any energy bars and things like that um really good sleeping bag was really important um so mine was really warm and it had a good hood and um, I was able to sort of snuggle in which was really nice um, and the third thing I think for me was my day pack. It actually fitted really well and was quite warm and cosy. And, cozy. and then, sorry, it had a good fit on the harness. Um, so it meant my shoulders weren't kind of rubbing and, and feeling uncomfortable. Um, so those are the three things that I really sort of were happy that I brought with me and actually fitted well. Um, I think the things that I didn't bring I should have done, um, obviously I should have worn my walking boots in more. <laughs> I had a great pair for Everest, but we walked for six or seven hours in monsoon rain. And so I sort of trashed them. Um so I should have probably worn, worn those in more. And the nail brush, um, again, as I said, was really important. And I actually really wanted flip-flops because every evening, I think, I'm sure you had flip-flops, Keith, and I was sort of looking at you in envy at one point going, my feet are swollen. I really could do with a nice pair of flip-flops with the showers. And yeah, so um, I think that was my third luxury I would have liked to have had.
1: And I think the thing with Kilimanjaro is, is the support that you get from the Tanzanian guides just makes the trip, doesn't it? If, like, if we didn't have them with us, it yeah. would just be, you know, what they do for our groups. I mean, we have an exceptional team that we work with at the Bucket List, but you, know, you wouldn't be able to do it without them, would you?
0: They are absolutely lovely. I, you know, even in, you know, Nepal, the guys were absolutely amazing. They were all really friendly. I'm Facebook friends with quite a few of them now, which was really lovely. Um, and, but over here, they were just absolutely wonderful as well. I mean, every single one of them at the end gave me a hug. Um, everybody wanted you and was willing you to kind of get to the top um, and they would do anything to support you to get to the top as well so you know we can carry your bags for the next couple of miles you know that kind of thing um, I was stubborn for a while and I said absolutely not um, but I sort of relented uh, towards the sort of middle to top of the scree slope because it was just relentless but they're just so lovely they are and it's like having a second family I mean they bring you bowls of hot water if you need it they you know the, the meals the chef was amazing on this trip um and the things he was concocting at you know quite a high altitude on probably a portable stove was quite impressive so um yeah,
1: yeah there was always plenty of food for everyone on there
0: yeah, it's really lovely you know sp- was it was spaghetti bolognese one night um we had a pizza uh things that you wouldn't expect to get on the mountain and i i still don't know how he managed to make them but i think if a few, a few of the guys asked for the recipes for some of the, the evenings as <sighs> soup well soup every
1: so, night yeah there was three courses most dinners wasn't there yeah
0: fruit that we didn't recognise at one point.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you get so well looked after and they they want to get you to the top, don't they? They really, you know, that yeah. you're not just paying clients to them, they actually, you know, they really want you to get there.
0: Yeah. How...
1: I mean, obviously at the start of the, you know, before we went up, I gave, I gave the briefing with YT, our guide, who we heard from on the podcast last week. Um, and I said to people then, you know, I said, it's going to lure you into a false sense of security and just be prepared for the hardest night of your life. Um, I think most people kind of laugh that off a little bit, but how is my summary actually kind of, is it quite accurate?
0: is extremely accurate annoyingly. But um I think we all we did we did the same. We laughed it off and thought, oh we'll be fine. We're all, you know, we're all quite fit. Um and I just don't think we were prepared for that. That the length of the scree slope, the the cold, uh, the fact that we, we hadn't really slept for a couple of days, um, you know, that kind of thing I think you can't prepare yourself for sometimes. And also actually a lot of people you can't prepare for the altitude. You can go on one trip and feel absolutely fine in the next trip you could be affected by it. So I think this that's where the support of the team comes in. And I think that's why we have so much success on these trips in terms of the ascent and the amount of people that actually get to the to their goal. Um, yeah, we
1: had an amazing success rate on this trip again. Um and, and in reality, you know, no one, you know, we had a few people feeling a bit rough, but no one was like, you know, we saw some other people on the mountain who were Yeah. who were who were having a few issues. Um but yeah, I think in terms of Kilimanjaro is hard. Um it's only hard for a short period of time in it,
0: I think it's that mental uh what's the word mental sort of stamina and 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 that kind of you know thought mental thought that says, yeah, I can get there at the time when you're feeling the most rough, I think it's digging deep and actually thinking, you know, I've only got a few more steps and just almost thinking, okay, there's a there's a rock three steps in front of me, just get to that, get to the next rock, and I think um you think small rather than big at that point, but um, but yeah, I think you accurately record, <laughs> described it.
1: And how did you how did you fit? Obviously, you know when you're walking up to the summit, you know you can sit. You know you get to Gilman's Point, which is at the top of the crater of Kilimanjaro. It's then like a two-kilometer walk to get to Gilman's to then Stella Point, and then go on to the actual summit of Uhuru Peak. It's two kilometers, but it takes you two hours to get there. Um, obviously, you've been awake since eleven thirty. You're at Gilman's Point at six thirty in the morning, so you've already been walking for seven hours. You've got another two hours to go up to to the summit you get to the summit and then you're obviously elated for being there but you you quickly come round don't you to come back down again it's amazing how quick you you actually change
0: you get a, a second wind i think i think it's that you know that that feeling of i've actually made it i've managed to achieve something here that is you know for a lot of people a lifelong dream or you know during covid a lot of people booked it two years ago um So I think it's that feeling of, yeah, I've actually done, I've done it. I've achieved it. And I think that gives you the energy to get back down again. Um, but even at Cellar point, when we got to Cellar point on the way up, and I think we all looked at each other, we all gave each other a hug, and there was tears in everyone's eyes. I think because we knew we'd, we'd made it by that point. We still weren't at the summit, but we knew we, we you know, we'd got as it far was as there. yeah. We could see it, and we knew we were basically there. And um, and as a group, it was just that camaraderie between us and that feeling of you know supporting each other. Everybody gave each other hugs, and it was just such a great experience at that point. So, yeah.
1: And, and that's the lovely thing about group travel, isn't it? I think, um, I know we run a group travel company, so we would be promoting group travel. But, you know, if you were on that trek with just a local guide and you were on your own and you had booked that trip, do you think you would have got to the top?
0: Probably not. <laughs> I definitely think not. I think it's other people that drive you forward. I think it's that support from other people. It's um, seeing other people achieve their goals as well, I think um, really makes a massive difference. Um, and I think with you guys, there's there's a lot more guides than some of the other teams that we saw going up. I think you know there's a couple of groups with maybe one or two guides. When we had, I can't, you know, fifteen, I think, was it on the last night?
1: Yeah, with with the with the porters and the uh, yeah. I mean, we had fifteen in our group, and there was eight guides, mm-hmm. and then seven porters who came up to help as well, carry bags if needed. So you know, we we definitely try. You we know, we want everybody to get to the top as well. So I think that's super important that we're giving people the support that they need. Yeah. Um, okay then, so obviously a couple of weeks ago we did a podcast with Jake and we were talking about Everest Base Camp and Kilimanjaro and you know, one versus the other one. I'm just interested because you said at the start of this that you, know, you did Everest Base Camp with us um, back in April. You've just done Kilimanjaro now in September. Um, I'd like to hear your thought process between the two treks um so that you know so our listeners can have it from a customer's perspective because obviously when me and Jake are talking about it we're talking about it from a leader's perspective (laughs) but from a customer who's done them both within six months Kilimanjaro Everest Base Camp which is harder
0: (laughs) um so I did Everest Base Camp and Gokyo and I actually did it with Jake um and I have to admit there were times where that was challenging but I think the fact that it's over a longer period of time and you get time to acclimatize to the altitude um I think makes it easier. Uh, I think Kili being such a short kind of trip, Um, you know, that you get your ascended altitude a lot quicker. Um, You have less time to recover between treks. So, I mean, we walked up to Kibo. I think we were potentially had kind of two hours of rest um, and then we were basically off up to the summit. So, I mean, that day after the summit, we then also walked back down to Harambo um, so I don't know how many kilometres we did in the 24 hours, but it was significant. Uh,
1: six, uh, nine, nine up from Harambo to Kibo, then another six up to the summit. So six back down. So 30 kilometres altogether.
0: Yeah, which I mean, on a good day on, a, on the flat would be absolutely fine. But I think having gone up Kilimanjaro and then come back down again, you know, it's a, it's a lot. I think the other thing with um, base camp is that the tea houses are quite kind of like you, you've got some of your creature comforts. So you can you can buy Snickers if you want to. Um, whereas, you know, with uh, Kilimanjaro, there's not the opportunity to kind of stock up on some of your snacks. So you basically have to carry it all with you. Um, so you have to kind of prepare yourself a bit more for that. And you can't get warm. There's you know, the huts don't have heaters in them. Um so, you know, EBC, you can, you, you know, you can all sit around the fire of an evening and kind of warm up. Kilimanjaro is very different in that respect. So,
1: yeah, I, I, would, I would say, you know, in terms of there is no, there's no commercialization on Kilimanjaro, as it, compared yeah. to Everest Base Camp? Like, you know, as we, as Jake and I discussed a few weeks ago, you know, you can go and buy some apple pie. You can go and get a coffee. You can go to the Irish pub in Namche. Like once you leave yeah. the gate for Kilimanjaro, there is, there is nothing there, is there?
0: And there's also no fallback. So you know the EBC, There was a couple of people that weren't feeling too good, um, and I think you know for a, a couple of hours they managed to get a horse. Um, but with Killy, there isn't that opportunity. You know, you have to walk. Yeah, there isn't an option. You know, that's your only option. Um, so perfect. So
1: in terms of that, then you've um, you've done two trips with us now. What's next on the bucket list for Amy?
0: <laughs> we were chatting with me yesterday. So I think um, the Sahara possibly or one of the Morocco trips. Um, but I've definitely got the bug for it. So um, I think probably one of the slightly lower altitude uh, sort of ascents, one of the lower altitude treks. Um, but also uh, um and you know one of the South American trips. Rainbow Mountain would be really good. To be honest, my list is kind of endless, so I think I'll probably just work my way through the bucket list trips at some point. But um I really like horse riding and I think we were talking about the surf and yoga retreat being on the beach and having horses. So potentially that's another one to go to. So yeah, I mean there's there's so many. I could probably book all of them. So
1: Well, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, we're not gonna complain with that. Um what would if you got one tip for somebody that's thinking, someone that's listening to this now and thinking, oh, I quite fancy Kilimanjaro, what would, what would you advise?
0: <laughs> I would advise definitely go for it. Um, but I think just have that mental attitude there, be prepared that it isn't a walk in the park, it's not your average kind of trek, that it is challenging. But you can do it if you've got the mental kind of stamina to be able to kind of get yourself up there. Um and there was a couple of times where I was going, I can't do it. And you were like, just get a move on kind of thing. Um, I think, yeah, you just need to have that mindset.
1: And what would you say for um, you know, obviously from a solo from if, if there was someone who was a, a solo female thinking, you know, is group travel for me? What would you advise them?
0: Go for it. Absolutely go for it. Um, I just think it's the best way to travel. I really do. I think um, even sometimes when you're in, you know, couples, you don't necessarily talk to other people. You might stay in your group. Um, And actually, as a solo traveller, you get to meet so many more people. Um, And everybody's really welcoming. On on both the treks I've been on, you know, people that have been in, you know, there's a group of seven on this trek. Every single one of them welcomed me. Um, None of them kind of stuck together and were, you know, in pockets, in isolation. Everybody welcomed each other. Um, so i'd say definitely go for it
1: brilliant well amy thank you ever so much for coming on today and chatting us through your kilimanjaro experience what i'll do is in the show notes i'll put some links to the trek that we've just done we've just done the morango route and i'll also put a a link to our ultimate kilimanjaro guide as well which gives you all the information and everything you need to know about doing kilimanjaro Um, but until next week Thank you very much. If you've liked this podcast, please um, hit the follow button so you can we can let you know and give us a nice five-star review as well. That'd be great. Apple loves that. Thanks very much and we'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bucket Lister Podcast. Be sure to click follow to be alerted for next week's episode. For more travel inspiration, check us out at www.thebucketlistcompany.co.uk or follow us on socials. See you next time!